everybody. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And we're here for another super exciting episode of Fried Squirms. The one in which we talk about Tokyo Gore Police. But before we get there, and before we get to our green hats, how you doing? Yeah, pretty good, dude. For the most part, it was a laid-back week. Didn't do a whole heck of a lot outside of the norm. I did watch the NFL draft. I know that's probably boring for some, but... For some of those who are sports fans, it was at least a, a nice something to have. Right. I enjoyed it, having something to, yeah. to jump in It gave me again. something to, you know, to at least look forward to and do a little research on, you know, just because we're sports fans, so that happens. I know. I had to do a little bit of research on a couple of our picks, but, yeah, looks like it was a good draft. Yeah. It was a good draft. I'm not, like, jumping out of my seat excited, but, the, you know, I'm not disappointed with what Atlanta did, so we'll see what happens. You never know. Yeah. That's about all I had for my week, too. I haven't really been doing anything. So I guess let's get to our green hits, especially since you're already fucking hitting a joint over there. Yeah, so I was telling you earlier, I'd smoked a little bit of this joint that I'm smoking now. And this one is a mix of some things I've brought before. It's the last little bit of blueberry that I had. And I put some of the L.A. Kush that I had left over in this joint. But for us, joint jointly <laughs> i brought a strain called rainmaker so it's a new strain for me it is a indica dominant hybrid so it's a 70 percent indica 30 percent sativa so with that you're going to have flavors like citrus and lime it's a little skunky and a little bit sour the aromas are about the same and the nice thing i like about it too is the effects that you're going to have is going to be cerebral so you know you'll be a little bit in your headspace but for us talking about this film, I think it's going to be good. And it helps with depression and anxiety. If you have that glaucoma issue, it helps with that. And uh, if you have stress in your life, it's good to uh, help relieve that as well. Now, I just tried to look it up some for what I got in here, and I wasn't able to find much information. Do you happen to know anything more on this Ocean Shore Haze other than the fact that it's I didn't, a sativa? I didn't look those up, unfortunately. I know, what was it, one of them is a, a hybrid yeah, yeah, yeah. The Colorado well, yeah, Cam? So I, the, I got some Colorado Cam, which is a hybrid, and I got some Ocean Shore Haze, neither of which I've had before, and neither of which I really was able to find too much information about. I'm going to hit it through my vape, Yeah, and I'll try to tell you at least what I'm tasting. And while you're doing that, I'm going to look up on my uh, shop's website and see what it says for the profiles. All right, so I've got a little bit of information on the ocean shore right. haze. So, so what I'm before you tell me mm-hmm. what they're telling me it's supposed to be. Gotcha. I'm getting a little bit of sweet and a little bit of earthy. Okay. That's mostly what I'm getting. Maybe a touch of herbal. Okay. And that's good to know because the flavors. This is the flavor profile: is citrus, herbal, lemon, pine, and sweet. Okay. Right, so with those, I can tell you that I know what the citrus and lemon that's gonna be your limonene, the pine is your pinene typically, which is good, it's a bronchodilator, so it'll open up your lungs. And the aromas you'll have is basically the same citrus, earthy, which is uh, typically associated with like myrcene, I believe. Okay, and the herbal and spicy, so yeah, that's some of the aromas, which is cool. But the relief that you'll get out of it's for anxiety, depression, fatigue, nausea, and stress. The effects is you'll have a nice little body high, it's cerebral, energizing, euphoric, you'll be focused and relaxed. Sweet, yeah, I'm probably not going to hit that other one until after the show just because I want to stay on this sativa bit, try not to get too racked out. But I am curious as to what I should be expecting from it. As I'm about to smell it, some too. All right, so the Colorado Kim 
here is that the effects that you'll have with this is you'll be creative, euphoric, you'll have focused, energized, you'll be a little giggly, which that happens, happy and relaxed. It's good for arthritis, chronic pain, depression, fibromyalgia, if you have headaches, insomnia, loss of appetite, you get the munchies, flavors, you'll get the citrus, lime, mint, pine, and it's sweet, and aromas, a little earthy, little sweet, a little lemony, maybe even a little little chemically smelling. Sometimes you'll get that with the diesel. So yeah, that's the Colorado Chem. And it's typically a little bit on the high side on the THC scale, so it just depends on what strain you get. I'm usually a little bit on the high side myself. Yeah, man. I think anything Ooh. fairly in the 20s on up gets you where you need to be. Hell yeah. All right, I'm excited to hit that in a little bit. Yeah, so, so those are the, the strains for today, which I'm excited about, man. It's really cool. I think with that, our green hits are over. We're starting to get a little high. Let's get in the guts and bolts. <laughs> all of the guts and bolts. So much guts, so much bolts. All the bolts, all the guts. Tokyo Gore Police. <laughs> guts and bolts. All right, Tokyo Gore Police. I have to give a fucking spoiler-free synopsis for yes, this. Yes, you do. I? Even though the name kind of implies everything that this film entails. So it's in the not-so-distant future, and mad scientist has created a virus that can mutate people into these beings called engineers. So the police force has been privatized to deal with it, and we follow along with the best of the hunters on the force, who herself is also on a mission of vengeance for her father. And as she hunts the leader of these beings, this story unfolds. I think that's about as spoiler free as you can get, man. <laughs> wow. That's a good job. It's fucking tough. <laughs> no kidding. Well, you did a good job, dude, for real. So, of course, from week to week, we like to talk about our cast and crew. I'm going to lead off with a jack-of-all-trades, and that gentleman is Yoshihiro Nishimura. He is our director. He's also one of the writers. He's one of our special effects people on this film. So, like I said, he's multifaceted. Uh, he's also our editor. So, when people know this name or talk about Yoshihiro he is literally known as the Tom Savini of Japan because of his legendary director and effects artist credits. And when you look at some of those credits, I'll talk about some of his special effects first, but he helped with the controversial thriller from Sion Sono, who was actually in this film, his film Suicide Club, and another film back in 2003 called A Larva to Love. He also helped with Meatball Machine, which is very similar to this film. I've actually mm -hmm. seen it. It's pretty gnarly. And then he started directing films, of course. So some of those include pretty much the film that led to what this film became. And that was the Anatomia Extinction back in 1995. Then he went on to do such films as Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl, mm -hmm. Mutant Girl Squad, which I actually own. Hell Driver, he did a segment for the ABCs of Death, which was Z is for Zetsu Mitsu. And the Profane exhibit, he did the segment for The Hell Chef back in 2013. He's also responsible for Zombie TV and more recently the film Meatball Machine Kodoku. 
So I'm looking forward to actually watching that one. All right, moving forward, I did mention that our writers, one of them is Yoshihiro. The others are Seiyako Nokoshi, who's helped write for the screenplay for the film Kept, and Kingo Kaji has helped write for the television series Gauru back in 2005, the film Samurai Princess, and the film Hamuro. The cinematographer is Shuji Momose, and some of their film credits include Mutant Girl Squad, the ABCs of Death, and yeah, some pretty gnarly shit, even some Power Ranger stuff, the Dino oh, Force Brave. Sweet. Yeah, that's it's pretty interesting. Zombie TV, yeah, Hell Driver, some pretty cool films, man. Mostly, you'll notice this film has a lot of people who've been in a lot of films together. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I would understand why, too, because of some of the shit you have to do in this film. All right. it's, a, it's a niche genre. It really, really is. It really There's is. There's only so many people that are going to be working on this. Especially in Japan. Yeah. It's gnarly as that is. <laughs> All right. I've already talked about our editor, who is Yoshihiro as well. The music was composed by Ko Nakagawa. And they have some really cool credits. Some of those include the ABCs of Death, Mutant Girl Squad, Meatball Machine Kodoku, Hell Driver, Mutant Girl Squad, Vampire Girl vs. Frankenstein Girl, Geisha Assassin, shit like that. It's pretty cool. All right. This was produced by Yoshinora, Chiba, Yoko Yahama, Satoshi Nakamura. Production companies were Fever Dreams, Dreams, and Nakatsu. Distributors were Nakatsu for the 2008 Japan theatrical release, and Media Blasters helped with the 2008 United States theatrical release, which, of course, was subtitled. The release dates were June 21st, 2008, that was here in the States at the New York Asian Film Festival in October 4th, 2008 in Tokyo, Japan. The special effects were done by Nishimura Motion Pictures Model Makers Group and Studio Buckhorn for the visual effects. I have a couple of tech lines for this film. I've got two of them. All right. All right. So one of them is, somebody's got a bloody job to do. Okay. okay. And the second one I have is, Strap yourselves in because things are about to get very, very bloody and very, very strange. The second one's more accurate. I might like the first one a little bit more. I did uh, see on the poster, you'll see Tokyo's burning. Yeah. I like how that sounds, but that really doesn't apply to this movie at all. No, not with However, the burning. However, I'm not going to lie, looks badass on the poster. Oh, yeah, for real. Yeah. Like, it's good market. Like, Tokyo's burning is pretty dope, but that's not this movie. <laughs> Not necessarily, it's kind of no. this movie. It's not this movie. But yeah, not not entirely. All right, so moving along, I'm going to head to the cast. And this is actually an actress we've talked about before. And I am talking about Ehi Shina. She plays the role of Ruka in this film. Now, we talked about her back on episode 121 in Audition. Yeah. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, damn. But I did mention back then that she was a part of Sky High, which I believe was a television series in Japan. She was also in Vampire Girl vs. Frankenstein Girl, the films The Outrage, Hell Driver, and more recently, Meatball Machine Kodoku. We have Itsuji Itayo. He plays the role of key man and assassin in this film. And when I looked at some of his film credits, he's got some really cool films. He was in some Takashi Miike films like The Great Yokai War. He was in The Common Rider, the first. One Miss Call, the final. He was in such things as Death Note, The Last Name. He was in Tokyo Tower. He was in the film Love Exposure. Okay. <laughs> so moving forward, we have... Yuka Heidi Benny, he plays the role of Tokyo Police Chief Officer. He's also been in such films as Vampire Girl vs. Frankenstein Girl, Robo Geisha, Gothic, and Lolita Psycho. 
Hell Driver in the film An Assassin. We have Gigi Bu. He plays the role of Bara Bara Man. He's the guy with the eye patch. Right, okay. He was in such films as Vampire Girl vs. Frankenstein Girl, Dead Sushi, The Profane Exhibit, and Zombie TV. We have Ikuko Sawada. She plays the role of the bar independent owner. She was only in a few other stuff, like some shorts, but she was in the film Hell Driver as well. All right, we have Shun Sagata. He plays the role of Tokyo Police Commissioner General. Now, we've actually talked about him before because he was in Ichi, the killer, which is really cool. Yeah, so when you look at some of his filmography, I mean, he's got a lot of stuff that he's done. But I'll mention a few that I'm familiar with. I'm familiar with the Tomei. He was in the film Replay back in 2000. He was in the film Pulse back in 2001. He was in the film Alive, Kill Bill Volume 1, The Last Last Samurai. Samurai. Yeah, the film Heat, Izo, which is a really dope-ass film. He was in uh, Zero Woman, which is a really cool film. Uh, Bunraku, the film Gonin Saga, 64, part one and two. And he's done some other television shows as well. All right, we have Kasuke Horobe. He plays Ruka's father in this film. Some film that he's been in is Postman Blues, which is a Shinya, what was his name? He was like the really buff dude in uh, Ichi. Oh. I always forget his last name, but he directed that film, Postman Blues. He was also in the films Love Exposure, Shark Skin Man, and Peach Hip Girl. We have Shoku Nakahara. She was the prostitute club owner in this film. She's been in the films Full Metal Yakuza. She was in the film Gemini. I don't know if we mentioned her, but she was in the film Visitor Q. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Shinya Tsukamoto is oh, yeah. the name you're thinking of. Nice. And she was also in the film Robo Geisha. I have two other people, and that pretty much rounds out the cast and crew. I have Kei Uzumi. She plays the role of Dog Girl in this film. She was in the films Vampire Girl vs. Frankenstein Girl, Robogeisha, Mutant Girl Squad, Hell Driver, and Yakuza Weapon. And last but not least, I have Tsugumi Nagasawa. She plays the role of Alligator Girl in this film. The only other credit I have her in is Passions of a Private Secretary. Now, there are other people in this film. I'm going to bring up a little bit later one specifically because I was like, yep. I know exactly who this is. They're in it all of just a brief moment, but when we get to it, I'll mention them. All right, so that's our cast, our crew. You gave us a spoiler-free synopsis. Holy cow, are there some warnings to give out in this film? All right, so first, let's just assume all the warnings. All the warnings. All the warnings. Yeah, this film really elicits people who have a desire to see what they're about to experience with this film, right? It's not for everybody. But for those who like what we're about to get into, this is right up their alleys. Gore's in the title, yeah. and it's a splatter film, first and foremost. It's yep. not a it's not a traditional horror movie. No. It's a little bit more on the action side when you come right down to it. Yeah. But there's too much body horror in it for it to be <laughs> not a horror movie. Man. There's too much fucked upness for it to not be a horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. It gets sexual in some really weird ways and taboo ways ways. and i don't mean perverse in like a kink shaming way i mean there's some really (laughs) really crazy shit going on in this movie yes there is including some piss play yeah there is which is cool i mean if you're into that kind of stuff i suppose but there's self-harm definitely trying to think of things that just might set people off because really i mean it's like we said, the, the warnings really are across there. the board on this. 
Yeah, if you don't believe us, look it up yourselves. I mean, it, it really does warrant the warnings that you get for this film. Not that it's extreme in the, the sense like when we've done Unearthed films in that sense, the word extreme. But I think more of like maybe pushing, the, you know, past like Dead Alive and stuff like that, right? Yeah, that's... Because of all the, the, the sexual stuff that's in this film and the bizarreness. And it's nothing so funny as to bring it up. I was hoping it said something hilarious, but everything it goes into goes into in spoilers. So Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Sex and nudity, violence and gore, profanity, alcohol, drugs, and smoking, frightening and intense scenes, and then we'd have to get into spoilers. But I'm not sure if this one warranted it or not, but this kind of fits the bill for some films that would probably get the Category 3 rating in certain mm-hmm. like Asian countries and stuff like that. I could see that. Maybe not necessarily in Japan, but I could see that in maybe other countries. <laughs> this maybe goes out there, man. So you've been warned. If you don't know what you're getting into and you've never seen this before, if you know what you're getting into, let's talk about this movie. <laughs> Danny, how did it make you squeal? How does that make you squeal? Fucking Tokyo Gore Police. I've been more exasperated sounding for the first half of this episode than I think I do for most episodes. But don't get it twisted. I think I'm in fucking love with this movie. <laughs> All right, so if I'm not mistaken, this is your first time. This is my first okay. time. I've had it on my computer for the last two years and have not made time to watch it. That's okay. It's what we're here for right now. So with that, I have known about this film for a little bit, right? I had seen it, I want to say, I think it was right before I moved up here. So it would have been in like maybe 2012-ish, probably when I first seen this film. Because around that time, I mean, even times before too, but I like to check out every now and then like gory films, splatter mm-hmm. films, just to see what pops up on that list. And this film popped up. And I was like, oh, cool. I like Japanese films. And I checked it out. I was like, holy shit, this is completely bonkers, right? In the best way possible. And I was excited when you were on board to do this review. And I was like... Mm. I didn't know how much you knew that you were getting yourself into. So that's why I'm excited to hear what you have to say, too. I thought I knew more what I was getting myself into, because I wasn't completely ignorant of this movie. I, I kind of no, knew its reputation. Done, you know. Like, looking back on it now, I think I've seen screens and shit from it, but I kind of thought that those were, like, standout moments that I'd seen. Okay. Not shit that was happening every other minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the fucking tiger king of gore movies it really is it's like (laughs) just wait there's more it just keeps coming it does it's relentless man in that approach to the point where i've found myself at a loss all day as to how we're going to talk about this movie because this is definitely one of those movies where we can't go scene by scene because too much is happening there's so much going on in this film we would be here for four fucking hours explaining. Yeah, this movie. all the intricacies and the, the little about what's minutia, going on. yeah, and little details. Because there, there is a lot going on. So, what I would like to say is this: for those who do like gore and splatter, right, and you haven't seen this before, and for whatever reasons you're listening, which thank you, but if you haven't seen it prior to us talking about it, do yourself a favor and, and do that first. Because man. <laughs> Nothing we're going to say is going to make sense. No, because what you get visually compared to what you're hearing us doing audibly, it won't justify what you see on screen. We'll try. <laughs> Don't get us wrong. But I think this is a really good one for groups of people, too, who are into this kind of stuff. Watch it with a group. It's fun by yourself, but 
I would kind of like to see this in a small theater. It'd be fun. I agree. Oh, I was thinking so hard while watching this oh, about man. what a group experience with this movie could be like. Um, hooting and hollering is what I think. So, let's see. To start, I did want to point out while talking about this movie that when we covered Tetsuo, we sort of mentioned that it spawned this weird subgenre that seems to really only exist in this way in Japan. This is definitely one of the movies that is super exemplary of that. Without a doubt. Yeah, because it is a branch of that, but it's in a different direction, right? It's rooted from uh, Tetsuo. And there's other films along that branch, I think, of like... Coincidentally enough, I was talking to a friend. We had brought up A Snake of June, Pinocchio 964, and Rubber's Lover, which are all like cyberpunk movies, right? Mm -hmm. From late 90s, early 2000s. And this is like pushing later on, getting into more of the like body horror aspect of it and playing with a lot of blood and guts and gore and all that stuff. I do think this movie, it's far enough away from Tetsuo that it has other influences, but it wouldn't exist without Tetsuo. 100% agree, especially in Japan. I mean, without saying a whole lot, you do feel its influence from the West, too. You can't help but notice it. But I think you're right. As far as the, the direction and the way it, it leans, 100% owed to Tetsuo. And now, in my opinion, if Tetsuo is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then this is Texas Chainsaw 2. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Sprinkled in with a bunch of others. <laughs> Which, once again, just holy fucking hell, this movie blew my mind open. I love this movie. <laughs> nice. So maybe maybe to ask, leaning a little bit into the film, right? The way it starts, how? what was your initial impression, right? Because it sounds kind of cheery. You know, there's a police officer. There's a it looks like a protest or something going on, a march of some sort. And then the little girl talking, she witnesses her father being assassinated. And you see the head explosion. To be honest, like, okay, like how many movies have we watched now? A lot. <laughs> I knew I knew that scene wasn't going to end well. I didn't know how it was going to... I didn't think his head was going to fucking explode from a gunshot like that. But I knew it wasn't going to end well. My bigger question upon first watching it was, is this happening literally? Okay, okay. Or is this symbolic of something that happened in this character's past? Gotcha. Maybe she didn't actually see her father. This is just like a nightmare because she knows gotcha. that it happened to him. Okay, that I got gotcha. sort of thing. I got gotcha. you. Makes sense. Obviously, this movie then pushed the line really quickly, so I'm like, oh, oh that must have happened. Yeah, she's kind of <laughs> jolted out of her sleep. Was she like in her squad car? Mm-hmm. Right? And what I like, which reminded me a little bit of Battle Royale, it's like, you know, you have this female character who's presenting like news little outlets <laughs> and bits of information to you, some expo. She reminded me of Battle Royale as well. I was like, oh, this is dope. Yeah, that was, I like that. I, I wish I could remember what her name is, but she did a really good job. And that's what it made me feel. I was like, all right, there you go. There's a little bit of influence there, too. But what we get is our first engineer, right? And that just goes completely off the fucking rails. Well, you end up starting the movie with a chainsaw duel. What the? Okay, you rocket jump up. That was Which I was like, oh, awesome. this is the movie we're getting. <laughs> She does the uh, superhero scene, like, you know. There's so many times where I was like, oh, this is the movie we're getting, and then they just ratchet it up. And that was one of the first times I was like, oh, shit, she just rocket jumped up there? Okay, this movie's going to be insane. 
but then they actually start fighting or has it already it already got it already kicked off with the the police officers up there already and some of them get fucked up one guy gets it really good so much fucking blood dude yeah it's just as much as you can put on screen (laughs) the chainsaw in the mouth was way more effective than it should have been for a chainsaw that you could tell the teeth weren't oh yeah yeah but still gnarly dude it looked so fucking gnarly like you're like oh um, shit Okay, look, so I already said it once. We can't really break no, down no, no, everything no. in but this that's, movie. That's what you kind of get right off the bat. So you kind of know right what you're getting yourself bat. into, right? So let's do this. We've tried this on a couple other movies. It seemed to work out pretty well. Let's say what the actual plot of this movie is. Okay, And yeah, then yeah. we'll back up and talk about some of this crazy I think that's a good way happens. to do it, yeah. I'm with you. What did we, we had to do that with Ichi, right? I think so, because that shit's crazy, too. This also reminded me a lot of Ichi. Well, you know, this movie is, what, an hour 40, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of shit going on. You have to, not that you have to pay, you know, very, very close attention to, but there's a lot going on you can miss. I'm not going to lie. I feel like if you're not paying close attention, it's hard to figure out what actually happens in this story because so much is going on. You know, watching this film multiple times, I really do. My first time through, I almost missed some big things that happened. Right. That's what I'm saying. Watching it a couple of times through, for me, at least, it helps me notice some of the clever details that they put in this film and, like, foreshadowing, using certain scenes to mirror each other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is really neat. It's not just, you know, gore and splatter. It's, like, it's intelligently written, too, because it, you do have to carry this fucking movie for that long to make sense. Agreed. And I think there's more to say on that, but I want to talk about that later after we lay down what the movie is. Yeah. So, what's it, Ruka? Ruka. Ruka. Ruka Ruka? Yeah, Ruka. Ruka. <laughs> Ali. <laughs> so, Ruka's the best. We all know this. Right. So she's getting called in to hit at these engineers. We've already talked about that opening scene. It was her dad that got killed. She wanted to be a police mm-hmm. officer when she grew up. Exactly. It's established extremely early on that she's also a cutter, which is kind of a big yeah, deal. Yeah, it is. It's a huge <clears throat> deal. Due to multiple traumas in her past. One involving her mother being a cutter as well. Yeah, which coincided on one of her birthdays. Yeah. Let's see. What was that? These engineers have been starting to pop up around the city, which engineers are... They're continually called in the first half of this movie simply criminals who have chosen to be modified this way. Right. So that when they get wounded, the wound mutates into a weapon. weapon. Essentially, yeah. It's what, it, yeah, it, it's it becomes random, weaponized. But you're more powerful every time you get wounded and not killed, basically. Yeah, which defies a lot of, <laughs> you know, sense, but I love it. <laughs> These aren't clean mutations. This is Akira oh. type shit. Yeah, exactly. It does really have that comic book feel to it, the manga, and mm-hmm. things of that oh, nature. Oh, this is in, in a lot of ways like a live action anime. 100% agree. And that's what I was like thinking, Like that rocket too. jump that I was mentioning in the beginning. Right. So if you can It's think a video of, game cutscene. Yeah, and, you know, you can't take this film, like, super serious because it's, it's not. But if you keep that in mind, right, its influences, it, man, it's like if you're trying to take a manga, right, a bizarre, crazy story and put it on film, they, they did a great job. Mm-hmm. They get a lead and she gets sent after who they think is behind the engineers, mm-hmm. the key man. A shit ensues. I'm losing it as I'm trying to say it out loud. Like, after one battle with the key man, she gets infected. Right. She becomes infected. They make a positive ID 
with a facial feature, right? And that's what gets her on the trail because she's just, she discovered that there was a laboratory of some sort that was involved. Mm-hmm. And that's where she learns of, it looks like, potential test subjects. And that leads her on a trail. Right. And now she basically can't self-harm either because now she's an engineer. If she does, she'll mutate. So she's sitting there like having to like look at it at times and like... yeah. And she's all freaked out because now she also knows she's mutated and everyone's like, fuck engineers all around her. Right. We've already mentioned or established that she mm-hmm. is the head hunter. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like equilibrium, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As she closes in on the key man again, she learns the, the entirety of it all in that his father was the assassin that killed her father. He was a genius poor kid wannabe geneticist who had been working with serial killer genes. That is awesome, isn't it? And her father, although was a police officer, was against police privatizing, right. which has been a big theme throughout the entire movie. Oh, yes. And Huge so emphasis. he was killed, and then the assassin was killed by the person who set it up, who mm-hmm. was the chief of police that raised her in the first place. Groomed her. When this happened originally, when she was a kid, that's when the key man lost it at the sight of his father getting assassinated in front of him, went and injected a shit ton of serial killer <laughs> genes, right. died. Got uh, the key. Got the key from hell. His, yeah, from hell. From beyond the door of truth from Full Metal Alchemist. It's like, wow, right? Uh, the doctor pulls it out, says <clears throat> this was in your brain. He winds up culturing it and reproducing them. And that's where he started, quote unquote, like a militia or an army of engineers. And he's like, so I'm out to do this shit. He wants a revolution, is what he Mm -hmm. said, not revenge. And he's like, and now you know that the person that killed your father is dead, so you can't be out for revenge anymore. So you should just join up and we'll go take on the person who engineered it all. She's like, yeah, we could do that or I could do that. And she kills him. Mm -hmm. He spills some beans is what he does. But she's still like, yeah, fuck that noise, though. Those assholes killed my fucking dad. Yeah. So now she is out for revenge against the same people that... No, she still has a mission. She can still get revenge. Yeah. So she goes and gets revenge against the... General commissioner or whatever he is. Yeah, yeah. The, the police captain guy. Yeah. Who's set it all in place to privatize the police force in the first place. She kills him. The end. Yeah. That is... Simplistic. Really hard to get through, considering what happens to make all of that happen. Yeah, to get to that straight line, there's a lot of little side streets along the way. <laughs> so, but now that that's out of the way, yeah. we can jump around to anywhere wow. we need to to talk about some of the crazy shit that happens in this and some of the kind of deep shit, too. Oh, man. So, all right. The thing, what I remember when I first seen this film was like, so the opening was like, okay, shit. It's a little over the top. It felt a little bit like Scanners when the head explodes. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, that's cool. I like it. It's in your face already. And then it jumps right to them having that battle. And the amounts of gore that you get already, the amounts of blood, not necessarily gore, but blood. And she's kind of, you know, just chainsawing through them. It's like, oh, shit. All right. (laughs) They end up saying it a couple scenes later anyway, but that scene very easily conveyed that she is not only efficient at this, but is graceful. And I had her pegged as being the best 
because of that scene before they even established yeah. it later. Like, no, no, she's the best at this. Like, yeah, yeah, they sent her up there. Those guys are just, you know, little foot soldiers, essentially. And she goes up there and just ends it. And she does a fantastic job. And what I did enjoy right after that is it feels like there's a tense moment, right? She returns to the station. It's all dark. I like some of the shots they use. It's a little artistic. You get the red backdrop, and then you get the green backdrop with the commissioner and the dog girl. And he's like, happy birthday. The first appearance of the dog girl. Yeah. What did you think? It's like, <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> I said this so many times in this movie. I thought I knew what kind of movie we were going to be getting. Because I saw that fight in the beginning, and I saw the weird mutations happening there and shit. Yeah. I didn't expect an amputee waddling around on nubs as a gimp sex slave. Freak on a leash, man. That scene's a whole lot of foreshadowing, though. It certainly is the way this film plays out, which I liked. I was like, that is really cool. Because if you're not paying attention to that, you know, but the way it's framed, but it's just like, em- that's the final showdown. Well, and even just emotionally, because the police officer Fear, and the dog girl have a very noticeable silhouette. Yeah. And so do. if she's walking into that room... She shouldn't be approaching them as they might be enemies unless deep down she feels like they might be enemies. Very, very well taken. So, yeah, why else would she feel fear and dread and maybe like ready to fight? sets up the fact that like even though it suddenly gets very quickly turned on its head with a weird ass birthday party, (laughs) which was seemed very genuinely happy. Yeah, everybody's enjoying it, and she's just like... And you're like, oh, they're just a weird, odd family. Yeah, have it's like a dog. Oh, it doesn't mean that there's not some darkness there, which, <laughs> look at the fucking dog girl. Fucking does. but... Yeah. But that, you know, that kicks the, the flashback that we talked about earlier. We find out that her mom's a cutter. Her dad brings her a birthday cake, and, that you know, that at least, in my mind, it set forth, you know, the notion that all this stuff that she remembers from her childhood is... It's evident in her adulthood, right? She wants to be like her father, but she's also a cutter like her mom. (laughs) Oh, what I like next? I know it's hard to do the whole film, but the whole sequence with the prostitute, like the schoolgirl and the madam and the dildo and the dude. I even gave you a 10-minute left call. All right. I think I told you this. I let my nephews watch a little bit of this film. (laughs) It was basically all that shit up until this scene. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you guys can't watch anymore. Because <laughs> it's about to get, like, they can handle kind of, and when you explain it to them, it's like, you know, this is just all effects. These are guys pumping blood and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So they get all that shit. But when it gets to the, you know, the sexual stuff, it's like, you can't be explaining that stuff to little kids. It's like, all right, you guys are out. You know, you have to wait. You definitely have to wait till you're older to see this. It was consensual. Yeah. It's like, you got the Danny cut. <laughs> you got <laughs> So, uh. Anyhow, this is, for me, this is like, all right, this is where it gets freaky and wild. The schoolgirl, oh, actually, she gets called after that guy. Yep. And that's where you get the introduction to the key man. And then the madam's walking, making calls. She's going to the subway station. She's getting cleaned up in a public bathroom or whatever. And he appears behind her. And it reminded me a little bit of Giallo's, right? Because you see the the glove and the dagger or the knife or whatever. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool. It's stylish, too. Boy, well, it gets gruesome <laughs> real and fast. 
that's a good time to mention that this movie also isn't afraid of being extremely colorful. Oh, yeah, for real. It shot really nicely, too. I mm-hmm. mean, it doesn't try to do too much with, like, the artistic stuff, but when it does, it does a good job. Right. It's not using color the same way as Giallo's, but it's also not using color the same way as a standard horror movie. There's color yeah. all over the fucking place. Yeah, so it's yeah, really it's easy to make a giallo comparison right there too. man that's one of them right that's one of the few if, if not maybe the only one that i that it made me think of giallos but what happens to her is awesome she gets those well that made me think of ichi yeah and the neck and it starts filling the tubes and you're like that was oh that was so shit dude this movie's so fucking cool <laughs> she um, gets put in a box and everything else gets laid out all nice and neat and that's where they start get catching like this, like, all right, there's some crazy shit going on with these engineers and all this other stuff. She sets out because of the prostitution. Now, Ruka, mm-hmm. she's going to be the bait for that kind of killer, which is cool. Like, she goes out in the, like the upper geisha part. She goes on that subway train and that dude starts a groper. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I think it's a little Kill Bill That scene was where I truly started to notice how wonderful the score is to this movie. Oh, this movie has some killer tracks. It's all over the place. It has some punk tracks. I mean, it's a really dark comedy. There's often, and the soundtrack's a big part of that, because it often sets a very <laughs> dissonant mood to the, what's going on. So mm-hmm. the music that's playing when she cuts dude's hands off, I actually noted as I'm like... This could be a track from Katamari Damacy. Like, how is this music in this movie? <laughs> but it's wonderful. They put out the soundtrack. I want to listen to the soundtrack all the time. Nice. Man. Yeah, no, this, this is, is a... I was looking for some tracks and stuff, but mostly you'll get, like, the main theme. and uh, It's like, ah, oh, no, I was wanting some others, but it's okay. I'm way it's high out on there. the soundtrack. No, it is really good. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm way high on this joint. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what she does, she winds up cutting that dude's hands off, and the blood just starts to spray, and she gets her umbrella out. I'm like, damn. This movie's stylish with it, too, on top of it, right? Mm-hmm. They make it look stylish, like a little bit like Kill Bill. After all that stuff, man, we talked about the key man a little bit. She winds up running into him after all that stuff in that little whatever that was, that alleyway or, you know what I mean? Yeah, her battle with him was cool, but what I thought was cooler... It's kind of weird. <laughs> what I thought was cooler was the end when she gets keyed. Yeah, that's what it amounts to. Her getting keyed, I was like, oh, that's fucking... Gnarly. When he just rubs the yeah. key Opens on the it skin up. and a fucking keyhole appears, he sticks it in, and her arm just fucking <laughs> opened way up, and he just... That reminded me a little bit of like 90s pulp kind of horror stuff. Mm-hmm. A little Lynchian, a little Cronenbergish, and shit like that, man. It's it's cool stuff, though. That was fucking, oh, that was gnarly. That was so cool. I thought that was cooler than the fight that happened before it, to be honest. Yeah, the, the fight itself, it's, it's not bad, but it's basically setting up things is what it is. Because she does slice the top of his forehead up, mm-hmm. and, and he, he removes the- it, and he gets all like... <laughs> that's when you know if the, this film is off the fucking chain when you start the noticing eyes. the the weaponized mutations that these people have yeah yeah moving forward from there it's like all right now she knows she can't help notice now it's like oh what the fuck now we do have to mention this if we don't mention this we'd be fools this is the commercials all the commercials in this film that's one of the parts where oh the movie it reminds me a lot of like 
Battle Royale and fucking Verhoeven Starship Troopers. Yeah, 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 good point. Because those are part of how this movie's smart, and I don't know if I can fully explain this, but like a lot of them are super They're satirical and, very and poking satirical. fun at the government, kind of. They are. I, I don't, yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering in what kind of, like, how much were they getting away with? Like, I don't know how much the, the Japanese yeah, I mean, government tolerates. I know we've, we've talked about that before, too, with some of these films. It's, you know, we're not experts on their politics and stuff like that. But I would imagine it's a little racy because they are poking fun. The one that I think is the smartest, because there's a couple that they kind of redo versions of here mm-hmm. and there with just like the... <laughs> How fucking sharp this is. Look, it cuts well. Look, it cuts well. Look, it cuts well. On his arm and his tongue, which I'm like, oh, Ichi. Yeah. (laughs) And fucking into the head. He bites it. (laughs) And you get the ones with the schoolgirls on showing them how to trendily cut for, like, self-harm. Right. They have, like, models of razors that you can cut yourself with. It's cute. (laughs) But the one that I thought was super smart was the stop Harakiri. Oh, my gosh. I like the painted guy that comes out. But I think it's smart because I think he's being genuine. Right, right, right. Because the message rings true. It's not very, I mean, it's considered like an honorable thing to do when you do something dishonorable, I suppose. It feels like a double sneaky message Mm -hmm. because with all the other commercials, they're all just super tongue in cheek over the top. Like, yeah, here we go. Here's a a commercial on how to cut yourself, yourself, right? (laughs) Yeah. Here's why the police are good, because they're just murdering killing, people uh, on the fucking streets and killing shit. Killing a guy who killed 15 kindergartners. Mm-hmm. Or here you can take place in We Executions. Yeah, that was fucking gnarly, wasn't it? Right. And so it'd be easy to say that since you're including one that says stop Harakiri, then that means, no, go ahead and do Harakiri. Yeah. But I think this is doubly smart, because in the context of the video, it makes it sound kind of like... I think the quote-unquote station that's airing it could sneak it in as like, oh no, this is a stop here, Akiri, because that means you're alive and you're still part of the system. Mm -hmm. But in the context of the video itself, you get the little line where it's like, your job should not be all of your life. (laughs) Yeah, good point, man. Your life should be something a little bit more. Yeah. (laughs) You would think, or hope. And so I feel like it's intentionally thrown in there as the kind of commercial that could be snuck into airing on this fictional station that we're watching all these other commercials on that is actually an undercover message of hope. Don't actually perform Harakiri because your life's actually worth something. Yeah, that's a good point, man. And not just to the corporations. Right, right. When you think about the film, the message, yeah, the underlying message throughout this film, I mean, it is a commentary on social things, of course. I mean, the privatization of police is yeah. huge and a big, giant part of the movie. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge emphasis throughout the entire film. It leads to a more enjoyable life and all this other nonsense, right? The recruitment video, too. It threw me, the I think, the first time when I rewatched it, right? Because it's like, oh, shit, here comes a dude that's maybe an engineer is actually killing these kids or going out to kill these kids. And then, you know, the police are there and mow the guy down, mm-hmm. whatever. And the kids are watching it, and then it pans out, and it's playing like on like a marquee or whatever, <laughs> you know, a scroll. And you're like, damn, this is a recruitment video, so it's more propaganda. Mm-hmm. In the very Starship Troopers glorifying over-the-top way. 
Exactly. Exactly. I fucking love Starship Troopers. So <laughs> the fact that this movie reminded me so much of it with those commercials. Yeah. Also just helps cement me into the fact that I fucking love this movie now. All right. So a little bit going on with this film, too, is there is a friendship that Ruka does have, right, mm-hmm. with the bar owner, the independent right. owner. And we know that early on, the owner knew that Ruka was, you know, picked on, whatever was thought differently. She was a cutter and all that stuff. She took care of her. We don't know the extent to their friendship. Maybe it's like a motherly thing, you mm-hmm. know. But they she looks after obviously her. Obviously, at least kept in touch pretty regularly over the years. Right. Ruka's presence there does cause trouble. People don't seem to look well on the police. Right. Because those guys walk in and they turn right around. And so she's like, oh, you shit. have to imagine she probably keeps away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I understand. It's out but of respect. But pops in probably once a month yeah. so they can catch up. And exactly, exactly. For a long time now. <laughs> yeah, you would think at this point. So it at least establishes that friendship, right? Because it does come way later on in the film to, you know, to pay dividends for some other shit that happens in this film. But I do like that. Well, at least we know she's got a friend who's helping with her. Because she has that battle with that dude, I mentioned you know, his slice face. That's how they identify who he was. He committed suicide, all that shit. Yeah. And then she goes out to search for that KGE lab or whatever. And then she finds that file for the alligator girls, what it turns out to be. And then that's when that police officer, the chief goes visit the kink club. I was like, "Uh Oh yes, I forgot it. Well, not that I forgot, but I forgot how it leads into it. Well, first I'm curious in the reality of this movie. It's so hard to tell because so much seems possible. Mm-hmm. When the dude drew the fucking dope mm. fix on his arm, are we supposed to take it as that actually gave him a fix? Oh man, I thought that was so fucking hilarious that scene. It's so it's silly, but the way he does it and plays out, and I'm like, oh, that is awesome. Yeah, I mean, maybe that gave him that little bit of courage to just say, fuck it. You know, I'm I'm already fucked up. Let's just go ahead and go to the next mm-hmm. weird thing on my list (laughs) you know he had it planned out so the sex club wow it starts off normal i'm like okay you know we talked about we're not here to kink shame right no big deal they start unveiling some of these girls so first off i was like there you go evil bong that's how you do teeth on the titties yep exactly right that would be like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm halfway in. <laughs> and then the more they unveil these girls, too, you have to keep in mind that they do showcase numbers on them, mm-hmm. which makes sense, as we find out. But because that chief is there, right, and these other guys, it looks like they're, I don't know if they're bidding, per se, but they are wanting to have encounters with these women. That first comes up, not with who you'd expect, teeth titty. Yeah, teeth titties. Instead, it comes up with... Item number three? Hold on. Two? Oh, I got this written out. All right. So we have... What order is it? Is it first? It is starts it dick off, nose first? It starts off... Yeah. Oh, what I put down is eyeball, mouth, dick nose, whatever. Mm-hmm. She's number seven. Then we get number 69, which is the... Yeah, teeth titties. Teeth titties. And this is when we also get number 31, snail girl. That's what I was waiting for. Right. And I did write down, too, is that the alligator girl in this film... She was in the file. Her her last name was uh, Yoshioka. Mm. And then she was looking for that girl. That's what she found, Ruka. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. So anyway, I put down that the, the first guy wants the snow girl, right? I was like, okay, he got his girl. Wait, let's explain. She had the tube eyes too. Snail girl. Snail. I mean, like, yeah, like literally. 
think, well, well, not literally, literally. Let me pretty, back up. It, but pretty fucking close. <laughs> pretty fucking literally. She's still a woman. She has a, a snail shell, and her eyes are on stalks. Yes, they are out of her body. Mm-hmm. The stalks are clear plastic, so you yeah. can see. They're like the the actual optical nerve yeah. going all the way out to which them. that's actually pretty cool. That's like I like that effect too because it's like okay at least they're trying to make it look somewhat realistic. And homeboy's like he's gonna do it. Let's do it. Yeah, he's like fuck yeah, <laughs> I want number sixty nine. So that's what the chief wants, right? And he does. And then what we get in between their scene is the next exhibitionist. <laughs> See, we got to Snow Girl, and I was like, so that's the kind of movie we're getting, right? Oof. And then it was their number on the next one. No, I didn't get a number. I did not get a number on the on that next piece. All right, because I don't know if they showed a number, but so the next one after Snail Girl and before you get everything going on with the chief guy, right? I want to point out that this, <laughs> if you're a Whovian, if you watch Doctor Who, it's essentially the fetish version of the last human from the second episode of the first season of new who which is the christopher eccleston season in that case though there's a face (laughs) not here so in this case the last performer is a headless though i'm gonna assume still sentient yeah i think there's a brain in that apparatus it was strapped right there is some kind of conscious there torso skin Mm -hmm. stretched out with the top part of the legs and a manicured vagina right that has been shaped to look like a leaf (laughs) yeah that and this is the only problem i had up to this point everything has been consensual but i do think that there should have been more of a warning before the entire crowd got a golden shower Uh, yes i agree but I would think that they knew going into that's what they were going to get for that performance. I think they all seemed a little bit surprised when that's what was brought out. I don't yeah, know. I, yeah, I mean, I perhaps, yeah. I could see that argument, too. But I will say this. They were not distraught. No, no. They were into it. So that made me think, though, because of where they're at and maybe some of the... It's just the equivalent of the blood shower and blade. Right. I was thinking, it's like, how, how hipster is that for that scene that they're doing? It's like, yes, we have a squirter. Oh my gosh, it's squirting. It's everything I live for. I want to point out what's doing that one more time. It's a human torso skin that's been stretched out over yeah. a seat. Like a chair, right? Only torso, not head. No, no, to- no yeah. arms. Nope. No legs. Yeah, upper torso stretched out skin wise. And the genitals. Right. That have been formed <laughs> into a leaf. Absolutely. That then pisses over the entire crowd. Yep. Oh, and this is all sitting in what appears to be its own filth. That was definitely supposed <laughs> to be like shit running down the front, right? Yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ, man. But like I said, they were into it, man. I just wanted to make sure we all saw the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> this is where you, you thought, all right, so that was fucking already wild bonkers. There will probably be a lot of people maybe dip out on that scene, but... This is in the next... This is... Phew, this this is when the chief has his encounter with 69 now. Well, this movie is going oh. to be the next time we run people oh, through yeah, fucking dude. test your fright, right? <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many things I could see where people are like, what the fuck? 
Nope. I'm out. <laughs> All right, so if you made it this far, the next bit that you get is pretty good, too, is the chief is now with 69 in their little room, right? She's enticing him in, and she gives him a BJ to start off with. And while he's getting that BJ, there's a mirror that shows a reflection of the key man, and it spooks him, and she winds up biting his dick off. She joins the key man, and as his dick's you know, doing mm-hmm. all that, I think they strap him down at that point, don't they? So I think eventually they were going to key him anyway. Mm-hmm. But it seemed the original plan was that the key man was going to fuck with him something first. <laughs> and so that's what they start doing, but he manages to get a hold of uh, his gun. Yep, yep, yep. He, he says that he wants to do human body restructuring surgery. That's it. Yep. As it is, though, the way everything plays out, because he's about to mm-hmm. try to shoot the key man, she he ends up getting instead. shot in half. Yep. And that's when that kick starts her, her bottom half. We get the gnarliest vagina dentata in the world. Wow. Yeah, no shit, right? Her bottom half basically becomes an alligator. Yeah, it's wild, dude. But he gets away for a little bit and shit, and they have right. a little showdown. And I think it's because <laughs> his arm is bit off and he's dying that then he just has to, like, key him right away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so absolutely. instead of whatever he was planning on turning him into, he just ends up with fucking guncock. Guncock and samurai sword arm <laughs> and, like, club foot. Now, if you <laughs> if you follow our social medias, which you should look you for would. fried squirms across all the platforms, then you would have known the moment I got to guncock last night. <laughs> <laughs> but before even guncock, right, the thing I thought was funny is a bit of the humor in it, right? Mm-hmm. And when she makes that final charge at him after she's already ripped his arm off and, like, slung him around and shit, he reaches for his severed arm that has the gun in it. And winds up pulling it. And what he says, he says, take this. Yeah. <laughs> and it shoots her and it kills her because it's severed the key from her, apparently. Because that's what happens if it's detached. Oh, yeah. We didn't become severed. That. Yeah. We, that's the only gotta, way you can terminate them. Yeah. Every engineer ends up with the key inside. Yeah. Them. every And then it's like a tumor-shaped key is essentially mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. And if you fuck the key, then. Uh-huh. Not literally fuck the key. But, I mean, if you fuck the key hard enough that it ripped in half, then I yeah. guess technically, yeah. Then you're a champ. Yeah. <laughs> But that's when the key man does infect the chief. He comes over, puts it into his... He, like, rubs his forehead, it opens the keyhole, and then his face opens up, and he puts it into his head, and he slumps over, and it seals back up. But that's when he returns, the chief, that is, to the station with guncock. The cock was fucking crazy, and, like, that's what puts that scene over the top. But otherwise, that scene, compared to some of the other shit we've seen this yeah, movie... Yeah, it wasn't too I, bad. No, nah, I was just nah, like, nah. okay, whatever. But then you are constantly staring at this, like, three-foot cock that's shooting. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not saying it's a bad scene. It's just... No, but it's... it's. I mean, it's silly. If you break down what's going on it. in the scene, man, especially the second time through, I was kind of bored with that scene. I'm like, okay, yeah, I saw it. It's saw like, yeah, it's... I think, if nothing else, it's just there for, like, shock value, too. It's like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's a cock gun in this film. <laughs> like, three-foot cock gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well and That's a little bit more red rockety than it should be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he's mutant. You yeah. never know. Yeah, you never know. All right. After all that shit's been said and done, that's when the commissioner general winds up killing him. And then he puts it out, like, we're going after 
all the engineers, if you su- even if they look suspicious. If they look suspicious, fucking kill them, and right. the cops start going crazy on the street because they're all assholes in this privatized police force. Yep. Have you not been paying attention to the political thing in this entire movie? <laughs> exactly. But at the same time, Ruka has found Yoshioka's apartment, which is where it has like all those locks, the padlocks. Mm-hmm. She kind of brushes it, and they all fall. But then she has... Which I like too. It was kind of cool, man. Their little encounter, the key man and her, and he's given her the expo about his father's role, and he's given her the presentation. It's like the presentation was the actually presentation pretty cool. It was fun. It's like I really like that. Once again, though, just one of the things that makes this movie so fucking surreal, though. All right. So the name, there was a name I was going to mention. I didn't give in the credits, right? Guts and Bolts. That happens during the sequence. John Evernall. <laughs> John Evernall. No, uh, there was a person that we've actually talked about before that is in a part of the sequence as the key man is, is talking about after he injected himself, after he jumped off the building, committed suicide, he said he woke up in front of that big door and he wasn't afraid. Mm-hmm. And he knocks on it. And the person who answers the door has the horns on their head. That's the person I'm talking about. We've talked about before. That person is Mame Yamada. And the reason we talked about that person is they're the touter for the brothel and imprint. The one that has a little rooster and the fucked up nose. Oh, that's fucking crazy. Same person. What? Yep. That's the person who gives Key Man the key. That's fucking crazy. In the jar, yeah. Okay, so the key, the jar, the fact that it's seemingly from beyond death. Right. Is there any reason why this movie can't be in the Baskin universe? Oh, man, fuck yeah, hell yeah. I'm I'm all for it, yeah. It makes (laughs) sense, right? Man, that would be an awesome role for that dude. The father? Yeah. Oh, man. Cyberpunk basket. Oh, dude. Yeah, crossover. Turkish, Japanese. Get on it. Yeah, I I would love that. All right, so that's how we get all that expo. And then then with all the key imagery, that's all I could think of was Baskin for a little bit. And the fact that this is super fucked up. I know, right? It's like, I really like it. It's cool, you know, his backstory. And he's pitching the idea, like you were saying earlier, to join forces. He's like, we don't have to do revenge. Now we can carry out a revolution, right? She wants to be the king of murderers, is what he told her. Mm -hmm. She gets up. And she pulls out her katana and she slices them in half. She's like, ah, I got other plans. <laughs> right? And then that's when we get the fight scene towards the end. But during that fight scene, too, which I noted earlier, is the schoolgirl, the prostitute from earlier with the kinky guy. Yeah. She has that battle with the policewoman. And she winds up, like, melting her with the yeah, acid yeah, tits with or whatever. Yeah, acid tits. And I was like, oh, that's where, that's like, damn, I forgot, I forgot all about her. Because she's so far at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Before it starts really getting off the rails. <laughs> but that makes sense, you know, how all this shit carries out later on. But she's having her battle. She has the first battle with the Barbara man, right? He has the uh, fisting sexual, like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. With um, the guns and shit. I did want to point out real quick, though, that before that, you have them fucking with the bartender oh yeah we do have to mention that yeah because that's and fucked up i want to say the bottle to the face that was good what the i like when fuck? she blows it out too yeah, that's dude. awesome that is awesome she's fucked stops on it and then i thought that her getting drawn and quartered was going to be worse to be honest like i'm right. surprised how much of her body kind of exploded you, you can see too like how that scene was prepped like, yeah they already had it split but it's it was still cool it was still cool i mean even though it's you know we know 
But what that does the is the bottle though. That the was bottle the was bottle was the highlight of awesome. that for me. The bottle was dope. They did really good with oh, and that's why I can see like the Tom Savini. Because mm-hmm. even though they do use CG in this, the practical effects were really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. All right. The four guys is what sets Ruka off because they're celebrating her being ripped apart. We do have to mention that they have bracelets that they have in common because there was a, a scene where Ruka passes out at the bar and the owner puts that bracelet on her. You know, she has one on mm-hmm. her ankle and it kind of lets Ruka know that she's in trouble. That's why she runs to her. It's too late, man. Yeah, and she's dead. The bracelet. All oh, those shatters. dudes are like cheering, yay, woo, drinking and shit. And I kind of, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> oh, liked no. that she didn't have to have that physical wound. Yeah, because it's just enough to cause her to mutate. It does. You see the key shine, and then you get the mutation. She decapitates all those dudes' fucking heads, and she goes to the police station. That's where she has the Barbara fight, and that should get silly. That shit, that shit kick is really silly. I um, like some of his lines, though. They're pretty funny. I didn't think it was going to be flying middle fingers. I thought after how sexual this movie already was that they were just going to literally try to fist her. <laughs> I know, right? That's what they were, fisting it rubber It was a fisting rocket launcher, six-shooter. I think toy was the word I was looking for. I was like, ah. <laughs> I don't remember those in my childhood. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. But when her he gets serious, her. it gets silly. Game over. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. They went there. But it does feel like the manga battles or video game battles, the lines that they're giving and shit like that. That was the part I found most painful in this. Yeah. Because the turning them around. <laughs> so silly. You know they were fucking having fun with that. Like, yeah. They knew how silly it was. And they slow it down and make it turn. <laughs> Like, at this point, man, you've already been in this film an hour and a half at this point. And that's the thing. I'm like, this is getting towards the end. There's no reason for me to I got to turn 10 more minutes. Just because How much is... more crazy can it get? <laughs> it's like, wait, there's a little bit more. Those come back and wind up getting him, and you see that he doesn't have a fake eye. He gets it. He dies. Mm-hmm. The end is what he says. Then that's when she encounters the general and the dog girl. But the dog girl has blades now for her appendages. That was mostly dope, except for the CG bouncing off the yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, all right, I get it, right? They have to do something with her. Also, the CG actually looked pretty it's fucking good. It's just that that doesn't look as good in practice as it sounds like in your <laughs> head when you're thinking of like, oh, yeah, and they just there's spikes coming down from the nubs and they're bouncing off the walls. Like, the CG looked good. It's just that that yeah. actually happening doesn't look as good as you think it would. I agree with that. I tend to agree with that, man. It's not, like I said, it's not horrible, but it's not as good as it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. But all the close-up shit, oh, yeah, I know it was really mostly good, editing. But still, look good. But the concept alone was fucking terrifying. The dog girl with fucking... Oh, man. All razors, blades and shit, yeah, coming at you. Out. Even when she does lose the upper part, because she has the bottom part for her legs, the blades, mm-hmm. she starts going into the breakdancing like, technique, and then she's on the ground kind of like still, <laughs> you know, maneuvering. But when she loses the blades, that's it. She gets spun out. So, question. It was an actress played the dog girl, right? Absolutely, yeah. There's a scene in which the general is calling the dog girl a boy. Oh, you know, I don't think I remember that. It does have breasts. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean anything in this world because we've oh, seen a yeah. snail girl. Absolutely. And we already know that the dog girl, she's an engineer. 
She has the number branded on her, too. She's 639. Mm-hmm. So we know that. On the dog girl's face mask, the gimp mask is sewn over where there's a similar scar underneath. Right. Makes sense. In the scene that we're just talking about, loses the top, still has the bottom, and is doing the roll towards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a sew pattern on the crotch. Oh, yeah. Does it line up? I don't really, I, I didn't you know put that I'm much saying? thought. Yeah, that's a good point. Huh. Has some genital mutilation of some kind happened? Perhaps. Do we know what gender the dog girl was at any point, technically? Right. Do we even know that the dog girl even... I mean, there's a fact that's saying dog girl, but... <laughs> right. But the point but being he is... calls... Right, right, right. If we're going by that, right? Dog girl, a boy. D- does the dog even acknowledge gender? Is it gender fluid? <laughs> is it just... It's just just they? That, yeah, gimp dog. <laughs> it's just dog. I can't believe I've thought about this so much. Already. No, I mean, it's a good question, though. But I think maybe boy with forced surgery to become girl, and that's what the... Uh, I mean, we already know that they the, can... Uh, it's just like on the gimp mask, that's mm-hmm. what the stitching down below also indicates. I could see that, yeah, for sure. Anyway. That's deep, man. <laughs> hey, they're going to throw these detailed crotches like in my too, face. Right? Yeah. I'm going to notice want... detail on crotches when they're right, just throwing right, right. it in my face with a gimp it's gonna, rolling It's going to raise me. questions, right? <laughs> That's what we're here for, man. All right. She takes care of Dog Girl, and then we get the battle with her and the general. And I should mention, too, her way into it, like going into the police station, he's actually kind of telling her over those monitors, like, what happened. He's like, this is the payment that I get for raising you. You had shelter and... You know, I groomed you to be the best engineer hunter. Now, like, ironically, you're now, you're now you're an engineer. And she's like, you don't get it. You killed my fucking dad. Right. And he's like, oh, well, I had to because you had mentioned earlier, too, is he was dissenting. He didn't want to privatize the police force, hence why he got shot. But uh, long story short, they have a battle that lasts not too long because she slices his legs. He goes into propeller mode, like helicopter mode. <laughs> he uses that to his advantage. He's like, oh, this shit is fucking still getting bonkers. He does an Once aerial again, attacks. I thought I knew what kind of movie this was. Nope. And then the dude's legs get cut off, and he's propelling himself through blood jets. Right. It's like, if it's not already crazy enough. Because he now has infinite blood from taking engineer serum. Uh, yeah, apparently, right? And then he tries to carry out aerial attacks. She winds up fucking chopping his head off, but not before he starts rotating. Which I was about to say, the the indication of that scene is that his body just hovers there for a little bit, right? Yeah. And it, he started off the match by shoving one of those into his neck. So theoretically, he also has infinite blood pouring from his neck right, right. now. Or at least until the serum wears off. Which I don't know what the time limit is, but you would think, right? So that room just has a blood fountain for a bit. Yeah, just for a little that's bit. That's a torso that's rotating. It's rotating. <laughs> like, this is like a fucking, you know, what do they call those, uh, fidget spinners? <laughs> right? So and watch that this. Was, <laughs> that was somehow oddly just hilarious to me. I'm like, this is like the best thing, because every indication right now is that this body is just going to hang out here for like 10 that's minutes. It's fucking wild, man. <laughs> what she does do, though. It's respectable because, you know, you have a flashback of her father saluting. <laughs> she, she salutes him. Fucking yeah, her hand. mutant arm. And we get the scene that now she has 
dog with her, right? That has now like machine guns or whatever they are. Right. <laughs> like Dumb. decked out. Okay. Right? All right. That's cool. But then we also get where the schoolgirl, prostitute, whatever she was, she's taking care of a key man because she gave him back his head or maybe he, I think that's the implication, right? Mm-hmm. He's not dead. He got put back together and they dip out. You're like, oh shit, that's cool. I like the melt, like the cigarette burn of the last propaganda video. You know, it's like you, oh, get, you yeah. get away and from the privatization, right? Because she's seen the horror that the privatization does. Like it becomes a witch hunt, or in this case, an engineer hunt, right? But what I liked was the very end where it says more gore soon. I was like, we've been waiting. But I will say some of these other films I have, I haven't watched them yet. But they're all splattery, right? I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I have seen that meatball machine, and it does get gory, but not to this extent. Right? Okay. Nowhere close to this. It's just – it's more weird body horror mutation stuff. So, yeah, that's – I really want to watch Meatball Machine. But we kept on touching on it throughout, and I just wanted to kind of hit the nail on the head. With the engineers, their wounds become weapons yeah. against this privatized police force. The engineers in this movie are all coming from the lowest rungs of society. The only things calling them criminals is the propaganda at the beginning. You later find out that most of these engineers so far are actually coming from some of the most preyed upon individuals of society. The key man targets a lot of prostitutes. Women, yeah. Women of the night. So this is a movie about sparking a populace to rise up against a fascistic police force. Yeah, exactly. The idea gets planted that not everything might be right early with Ruka and her own transformation comes not from being physically wounded herself, but when she sees the police force for what it truly does and the hurt that it brings. Right, right, right. Then she's like super conscientious of what this entails is like, you know, is this really our main goal? It's like, she remembers at the very beginning, she even says that her dad was there to help protect people. You know, mm-hmm. it was an honorable job and all that stuff. So that's what she thinks it is and what it should be. Well, and it kind of echoes back to when she sits down at the bar earlier and she's like, it's an honorable job, right? It's right? respectable, yeah. So that if it's an honorable job, then, then feel, you're fine. Then you're fine. Exactly. But and she I, never answers it for her. She's no. like, you work in an honorable job. She's like, if you feel then you're good. And she comes to the realization like... There's uh, when... I was kidding myself. When the general puts the badge on her, Mm -hmm. too, you can tell she's not like elated or happy or whatever. She's just kind of like indifferent. She feels happier about the family aspect. Right, right, right. And then she realizes how much her family has betrayed her all this time. And the badge itself is like... Some of the subtitles I saw was like... It had something to do with like Angel's Vengeance or something like... Or Heaven's Angel or something like that. So it has that kind of connotation, too. Like, they're carrying out this divine thing. That's the easy, like, smart part of this movie. I think there's also other smart parts of this movie, like when I tried to explain what I think that commercial means. And <laughs> oh, I guess. I'm not sure how well I did that, but hopefully when you're yeah. editing this, you make me not sound like an idiot. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, it's like when we talked about Tetsuo. A lot of the movies in this weird little subgenre mm-hmm. are inherently smart. They are. I mean, it's in order to have... Almost all of them take on gosh. some sort of social theme. They do. They really do. This one is no exception to that rule. 
in order to be as clever as this is, like this takes a pretty wild imagination to come up with this kind of idea, Jesus. right? And to throw in using a police force with over-the-top gore and crazy, you know, body horror and all this perverse kind of, you know, taboo subject stuff. But to have that underlying message of like having that social commentary of like, this is what can happen if you let the privatization and this fascist mm-hmm. kind of mentality rule. Yeah. Did the police uniforms remind you of uh, the Helsing yeah. troops? A little bit, yeah. There is so much influence in this film, if you pay attention to it, like the dueling fucking chainsaws with Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Even a little bit Texas Chainsaw Massacre with just the first engineer mm-hmm. by himself. But then there's other things, like there's bits of Dead Alive. I mentioned there's bits of like the stylistically with Giallo's and the Kill Bill. And this film has some really clever ways of weaving its influences in this film, too. I agree. And the soundtrack is fucking dope. Bonkers good. Yeah. Um, I really, really enjoy this film. I don't know if it was purposely done, but I like how her cyborg guy at the end is on the opposite side yeah. of the police force's armored eye. Ah, yeah, yeah, good point. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's <clears throat> the opposite. Yeah, mm-hmm. the reflection. I hope we get a true sequel to it someday. Perhaps. It could I have be in a the feeling cards. we'll probably just be cursed with getting more and more spiritual sequels, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. In the meantime, one can wish, right? And hope. Any, I mean, if nothing else, I'm on board for everything this director's done. I need to watch the rest of them. Definitely need to watch um, Frankenstein Girl versus Vampire, Vampire Girl. Girl. Yeah. Because I've heard really good things about that as well for a long time now, actually. I don't know why I've never watched it yet, but who knows? Maybe I'll like that even more than this. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's an off chance. You never know, but... The fun thing is, is that there are several films in this like little subcategory, you know, that deal with maybe not the gore part or, you know, that aspect of it, but some of the other little themes in this film. I don't know if I could put a, a for sure place on it yet <laughs> since I'm still sitting with it, but yeah, still fresh. this movie has jumped up towards the top of a lot of my, like when I think about awesome. what I like in horror lists, <laughs> nice, this man. is going to be up there alongside things like Texas Chainsaw 2 and shit for me now. Nice, man. And Ichi the Killer. And I might like this more than <laughs> Ichi the Killer. Wow. That's cool, man. That's ain't a lot. Mm-hmm. But I completely understand it. You can justify it. It's tough. That one's a little bit more complicated, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're talking about me, Kay, so it's it's going to be complicated. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so glad I finally watched this. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to use this excuse to get around to it. Yeah, this movie is fucking fantastic in all the ways that I love fucking trashy horror cinema for and splatter, yeah. especially. And and the thing I really like about it, too, is the fact that it is Japanese and they have a tendency to be very, very experimental and they don't mind, you know, touching on taboo subjects and things like that, too. So, you know, it's going to be a little out there to begin with. I'm an ardent listener of the uh, podcast Hollywood Babylon, and in recent years they've added a, a segment to their own show called What the Fuck Japan, <laughs> and this movie is their segment, What the Fuck Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you go. If they haven't, here you go. There's one example of it, right? I've never written what the fuck more often in my notes than I did for this movie. Oh, oh, 
before we end, there is a what the fuck for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. A big one that we didn't even talk about. Yeah, what do we got? What All did right. we skip? Since you, you, we skipped I'm, like half this movie. I'm so glad you said the what the fuck because there is a, a moment where I literally put what the fuck. Was what the fuck blackface? <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Oh, I forgot all about that. How did I forget about it's that? It's like Conehead's blackface. Yeah. Dude, Japan has weird. a weird history with blackface shits showing up. Right. And if we're thinking about comic books and stuff like that and anime, it's like, all right, it reminds me maybe a little bit of like, might be a weird comparison, but like Dragon Ball Z kind of type characters, mm-hmm. right? The odd characters. But I was like, man, what exactly is that person supposed to be in this film? I don't know. It was weird to begin with because they were picking through body parts on like a highway or whatever it was. And that's when Ruka comes blasting through. Right. I don't know. <laughs> that's the scene where she gets her eye shot out. And yeah, it turns yeah. to the cybernetic eye. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it's like, all right, I f- totally forgot about that scene. What the fuck, Japan? <laughs> what the fuck, Japan? <laughs> So there's my little two cents for that. Well, and the MC, the presenter, the madame right, right. at the sex club, her latex was blackface latex. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're right. It's like, phew. Maybe they're making little... He was maybe making a little social commentary there. Who knows? Oh, fuck, I know, but... I don't know. Like, that's it's a little deeper than I can get right now. Oh, so legit. Like, blackface latex? <laughs> What the fuck, Japan? You're absolutely right, yeah. That's a good segment. What the fuck, Japan? Well, I will say this. The more we delve into these films from the land of the rising sun, it's going to start getting into that territory. We're treading those waters. Good. I'm excited. Tetsuo lit the candle. It did, man. I mean, we've done, you know, audition, imprint, several others, man. But those Even, are those are their own. Right, right, right. This Even shit. like Rumadora and all that stuff, they're their own. This is a whole different beast. And it's a beast I'm willing to explore with some of those other titles in the future. We won't get to it right away. No, no, we'll, and this, we'll, is, we'll this is one up. to be proud of, too. And it, it's, we'll this one up. is praised. I can say you can say that, you know. If you read reviews, there's not very many negative reviews for this film. Good. Fuck y'all that hate it. Yeah, it's like, well, I If mean, you hate it, you ain't listening to this far into this podcast anyway. Right, so. yeah. Well, if you have, thank you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ah, oof, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely not for everybody. We already said that earlier, but... I'm glad we tackled it, man. It was, it's been fun. Definite test your fright contender. Highly agree. I could see a lot of people tapping out of this film. Yep. We need to figure out next week. Right, right. So <laughs> we talked about that a little off air, but we do have some options. You know, maybe go a little bit old school, maybe something not too distant. Yeah, we'll figure it out in order to listen to that episode, whatever it may be. It'll be horror. <laughs> that's, that's that's at least 100% certain, right? And we're probably not going to go like another full-on horror comedy sometime yeah. soon. So it'll be some sort of horror. It'll anyway, be in the pocket, yeah. Please hit subscribe. If you're listening to us right now, that'd be super awesome. If you could rate and review us, if you're listening to us too, that would be super duper awesome because algorithms run everything and that helps all of that mumbo jumbo. It's like black magic, except it's not. It's computers and you all know how it works. 
You can head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com, to check out all of our back catalog. You can contact us through the website or by emailing us, squirmcast at gmail.com. While you're at the website, you can click the links up at the top because we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network. Go check out the other shows on the network. Listen to me talk about nerdy shit over on General Nerdery. Talk about my co-host from that. Talk about wargaming and war philosophy in the art of wargaming. That's awesome. More shows to come, probably more past Rona. <laughs> also, check us out on all the social medias at Fried Squirms. I don't think they're all technically at Fried Squirms, but if you search for Fried Squirms, we're what pops up. So Yeah, for sure. And in the meantime, too, we do like your suggestions and recommendations. And once again, if you have those indie films and need some eyeballs on them, let us know. And I am truly trying to use social media more and more often. It is something I am not good at still, but I am a hundred times better than I was a year ago already. Yeah, so. I mean, we're still working on it, right? It's like we're not uh, we're not teenies, we're not teen That's boppers. Right. Nothing against that. I'm just saying we don't have the time to focus on that kind and of. You energy. ain't gonna find us on the TikTok. No, 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 <laughs> not yet. But <laughs> but not not anytime soon. Maybe on the chatterbait. I mean, what? What? <laughs> I'm done. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms. Out. Out.